0: to be together and these are interesting days we are in lockdown level two we had a family meeting with um president Ramaphosa last sunday night which does put limitations on meetings But we have pivoted, we are navigating, we have a facility next door, a table view as well for those who would like blankies. You have to leave the blankie behind, it's not like the baby dedication blankies, they get to keep, but you get a blankie outside, you get to be in a more spacious environment with some more ventilation, otherwise we are navigating. I'm also well aware that people need Jesus at this time. I'm well aware we've got to keep preaching and giving people Jesus and gathering. So thank you so much for gathering. You're in the room. If you got here at, at quarter past 10 and you, and you realize you were on time for church, well done. Uh, we have moved the service for you. And, um, but we just wanted to give them a bit more space. Our earlier service, obviously, we have coffee and tea. We want to connect and not chase people out to create a bit more space for community. So here's my invitation. Don't come 15 minutes later. Come the same time and meet people from the earlier congregation. Come and have coffee with us. Make the baristas work really, really hard. Give fancy orders, like fancy. I give you license to go and study the fanciest orders. A big man over there will dominate. He will get you the coffee you need. I promise you. And um, so we are navigating. We're also looking after kids. All our facilities are running, all our meetings are running, and we actually have added meetings out in the courtyard, so God is on the move, and it's such a privilege to be together, Um, and we, as we jump into, we come to the end of what has been a series, I remember some people came to me and said, Ruthless, how can you call a church series Ruthless? So I thought, what I'm going to do, I'm going to Google and see if anyone else had called Ruthless, and no one ever had, so we were the first but I honestly believe that and I trust and I pray and our prayer behind the scenes has been that as the Bible has been preached, as the gospel has come through this amazing book that you experience, not just grow in a greater head knowledge, but that you experience his love that nothing can stop, his grace that nothing can withhold, his desire to engage you in love. Yes, gentlemen, you too. Love that you are his bride, he's coming back for you, and unless we have a realization and a revelation of that, we'll always struggle when his goodness touches our lives, we'll struggle with it, so we'll never feel good enough for it, never feel like we did enough, deserve enough, unless we realize what Jesus did, did everything and a thousand percent more than we could ever do. Pulled us into the story of love. I trust that this is more than just a little book slotted in after the judges, just to kind of make the Old Testament feel a bit nicer, so that everyone can do a romance. It's not that; it's so much more. And Quinton last week spoke. Um, he would have struggled. To keep as the big guy. He moves around a lot. He's got bad eyes. That's the only reason he needed the higher platform just as badass, but he spoke about the, this kinsman redeemer, this concept that was both in the Pentateuch and in, according to various laws in the Pentateuch, there was this position that a male family member would step into the gap when another family member was in trouble, whether they were in, in any kind of trouble, danger, or need, it's this Hebrew term, goel, to step into, act as the redeemer, not to just have the, the title of it, but to act as it. To step in and to redeem both property and person and go on that journey. It was a responsibility but also a privilege. And it's a massive theme through this book of Ruth. As we understand that Boaz was this call to be a kinsman redeemer to this lady Ruth who was from the Moabites. even Wasn't even from his tribe but because she married and she's pulled into a story of blessing. That's what happens to each and every one of us because of Jesus. We get pulled into a story we don't deserve. We were foreigners. She says, why has your favor? Why have you shown me such favor? And she ends off a foreigner. Well, for Boaz, it was easy. He didn't live with that mindset. He didn't live with those limitations. But I want to speak about these two redeemers, as Quinton did last week speaking, something of the same section. The first one is called No Name Bobby. It's not actually his name in the Bible. I just gave him that name because he doesn't have a name. And if your name's Bobby, we love the name Bobby. But we're going with no name Bobby today um, because he's not given a name. And you'll see why. He doesn't get a name, yet we have Boaz, big Bo, on the other side who steps up as a redeemer in this moment. And, And here as we read the scripture, I want you to know that Ruth backed it all. She bet the horse, the farm, the everything on the goodness of God revealed in and through a man named Boaz. By sidling up to his bed and covering herself with the edge of his blanket, she could have been abused, misused, anything, shamed, anything could have happened, yet Boaz chose to redeem her. Boaz chose to go before God and in the presence of God and come up with a plan that was both honoring to the principles and the laws of the day and also trusting God with the outcome. It's the journey every one of us need to go on every day of our lives. But the only way to navigate is to understand this big word that we throw around, a word called redemption. And yet I don't want you to just have a greater head knowledge of redemption today. I want you to receive it. Redemption's a gift. You can't work it out, you can't figure it out. It's a gift given because of Jesus. And the only thing we get to do is receive it. And I want you to receive, but I'm going to read from the, the Bible today, and I've got to read fast because my iPad's running out. So we're going to carry on. Then Naomi said, last verse of Ruth chapter 3, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Meanwhile, Boaz. So Naomi says, wait. But the Bible says, meanwhile, Boaz is on the move. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer had, men, had mentioned he came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. I reckon Boaz was good at negotiation. He had a strategy. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit there. And they did so. Then he said to the Garveyan redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and, if the presence, and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I, would, I will know. For no one has the right to do it except for you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he says. Then Boaz said, on that day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this the guardian redeemer said, oh, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other party. This was also the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today, you are witnesses that I've bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are my witnesses. Jesus, as we preach your word today, Father, Holy Spirit, we ask, show us Jesus, show us redemption, show us our position before you. I pray for some who, Christianity and Jesus, there's still an aspect of religion, rules, abiding, tick box Christianity, I pray rip it out of us today as we fix our eyes and focus our eyes on the goodness of our King and the perfect sufficiency of His blood. We worship you, God. We give you glory and honor. Amen. My preach today simply called this mine. Say it with me. It's quite a simple one. Mine. Good one. I've had the privilege, and um, some of you would be astounded to know, I played a game called rugby many years of my life, and um, there was a situation that would play out when the guy would, one of the opposition would kick the ball up in the air, but it's an odd-shaped ball, and sometimes, more of the time, it's played in winter, so it's often wet, and there's a, a, an option that presents itself to those who are in line to catch it. So, yes, I'm freezing the ball in the air. It's 30 meters in the air, and there's about four guys, three guys who are in position. They could all get there. But now they've got a process. The shouting coach, the, the, the magnitude of the moment, if the ball gets dropped, the game gets lost, the opposition could get it. There's a whole bunch of things happening in a young man's mind in that moment. I'm sure it happens in ballet too. I just don't have the example. I'm sorry. And, um, and it's like the periway, I don't know. And, um, but in this example, there's the balls in the air and, and all these guys are processing. And there's that guy, he runs in, He says, mine. So everyone goes, okay, it's his. But he realizes, yo, It's windy. The ball's still 30. It's coming down now. It's wet. And the coach is really going to hate it if I drop it. So he makes a dramatic call. And he goes, yours. (laughs) It's like, what? What's happening, brother? And everyone else, they already backed off. Now they got to go in. So the one-oak goes, and he tries to claim it. He misses it. It happens all the time. In cricket, it's the guys in the boundary, and the ball goes up. And the two guys are running together. And you're going, they're definitely going to run into each other. It's like someone's dying on a cricket pitch now. And, um, and, and, and they run, and the one guy goes, mine. And then he realized, that cricket ball's really hard. It's been hit a long way. It's traveling at high velocity, yours. There's a cardinal in the rule that coaches put in me at a young age, and it's you never shout, yours. You only shout, mine. You never shout, I've got this. You don't say, you've got this. You just shout, mine. And then you take it. If you drop it, you drop it. If there are consequences, they are consequences. But if you're going to put your hand up, put your hand up. And what we see in the scripture that plays out is the first guy gets an opportunity for the glory. It's, his, it's, a, it's a highlights moment. If DSTV, Supersport were there, they're like, on him. No name Bobby. He's in. He's got Naomi. He's, he's Ruth. He's got the whole thing. Oh, he says, yours. Ruth goes, I've been ready for this for days. I've processed my heart. i processed my health. I've processed my life. I've processed it all. I am ready to redeem. Mine. Mine. And there's Ruth standing, exposed with no standing, with, coming from a, a messed up world of the Moabite world of incest and brokenness, traveling to a nation where she was the enemy of the people in that nation, but trusting the goodness of God. And she is so exposed. She just wants someone to give her a gap. And Ruth Boaz stands up. He says, Mine. Your messed up background, mine. Your mobile history, now mine. Your future, mine. Your anything, mine. Yeah. Who doesn't want that in their life? The gospel says every single one of us need it. The gospel says every day, we need Jesus to declare mine over our lives. It's a quote that I love by a man named Abraham Caper, not related to Adrian Caper. And he, um, come on, cricket joke, people, work with me. <laughs> Come on. And um, Abraham Koper wrote this incredible quote, and I've used it much as I've spoken into areas of sexuality and allowing people to understand sexuality. But he says this, there is not a square inch, not a square inch of all human existence over which Jesus, the sovereign over all, does not shout, mine, not a square inch. And as Boaz stood up in that moment, he wasn't just declaring, Ruth, I'll take your future. I'll redeem your future. I want what you can bring me in the future. He was going, I'll take your past. I'll take your present. Every insecurity you have, every reason that you've been widowed, whatever's going on in your head, heart, and story, I'll redeem it, and I'll take your future. Today, God wants us to receive this journey of redemption, which is a journey from captivity to freedom. A journey that none of us can make on our own. With the best efforts, with a thousand days in church, whatever you think might get you there, it cannot. The Bible says the only way to traverse this chasm is by the blood of Jesus. Being washed made whole before the glorious Father, covered in a robe of righteousness. That Hebrew says, even though we are made, it says that we are made perfect, even though we are being made holy, there is this dichotomous journey between my perfection in the eyes of the Father, and the fact that I am on a journey of holiness, and I still struggle with some battles, but I'm covered with this grace, is the only way that I can make this journey, and I go from being a slave to sin, a slave to my appetites, a slave to my brokenness, to being a child of God. And Ruth goes on this journey from being a slave to her past, a slave to her story, a slave to the inability to provide. And Boaz steps in the gap and he says, mine. If you leave with one word today, I just want you to leave with that word, mine. That every time the enemy comes and lies to you, tells you his eyes aren't on you. I'm going to show you Boaz because in showing you Boaz, I'm showing you Jesus. A thousand times better than Boaz. The first one is this, and I'm just exposing Boaz as a redeemer so that you would see Jesus. It says this Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, Who does that young woman belong to? This is the start of the story. We're going back. But Boaz had his eyes open. Not just his eyes open, Boaz had eyes to see. You want to be a redeemer? You've got to have eyes to see. Oh, I'll deal with it when the thing comes in my email. No, the Bible doesn't talk anything about email. The Bible says his eyes were open to see. When we walk the streets of our city, we walk into our offices, when you do your daily life and you encounter, is your eyes open to see the brokenness of the world? Because we'll never step into a redeeming journey if our eyes aren't open to see. Jesus' eyes always open to see. Second thing, and I'm just exposing a few things. These are the, the making of a redeemer. Because as we preach this Bible, we're reminded that I'm always only Ruth before God. I'm Ruth. We love preaching it like we're all Boaz, but actually the Bible says, I'm always Ruth. I'm always a foreigner to the promises. I don't deserve anything. I have, don't have enough resources. It's only because of Jesus. But then the Bible also challenges us, become like Jesus. Step into the gap. Become a redeemer who keeps stepping up and stepping in. It says this, the making of a redeemer. Number two, generosity. And, and it's incredible. Boaz gave orders to the men. And please understand, this would be so foreign to the culture of the day that any man would give these orders. And Boaz doesn't care. He doesn't care. He says, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some of the stalks from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. He says, and, and, and you can imagine the guys in the field, What? We've just picked up these things. This is for him. He's telling us to pull things out of bundles. We've left all of this in the fields for them. That's the law. This isn't the law. No, this is called generosity. This is called the more. This is called giving of your best to someone else. Why? Because Jesus does that for us. And when we start buying into the gospel story, we start realizing that generosity is not just a nice to do and something that wealthy rich people do. It's for every son and daughter of the living God to have eyes to see and a heart to give. Then we start bringing him glory. It carries on in kindness. He says, you, she says to him, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servants, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. She says, I don't even have the standing of one of your servants. And yet you speak kindly to me. The making of a redeemer. I love the scripture in Romans that reminds us that it's the, the kindness of God that draws us to repentance. It's the cry, kindness of God. I'm reminded that, that I need to respond to that kindness. Who doesn't respond to kindness? Everyone does. The Bible says the world of a generous get bigger and bigger. But kindness is a missing attribute. I read a, a business article talking about leadership in the first world, that one of the missing aspects of leadership, top-tier leadership, is this aspect of kindness that takes people from employees to humans again. And its leaders who engage kindness as a leadership principle for their story will humanise their workforce and take them out of just being employees, but partners yeah. in a story. It's not genius. It's just the Bible. It's just Jesus it says this: the makings of a redeemer. He covers he, that moment arrives where she sneaks up to his room, and and Boaz is a little started. He goes, "Who are you?" He asks. He says, "I'm your servant Ruth." Spread your corner of your garment over me. She doesn't even say, cover me. She doesn't say, protect me. She just said, the corner of your garment. And he allows it to take place. And then he protects her by sending her out the next day with, with a story to protect her, her, her dignity. Maybe you haven't been covered. Or even felt covered. The Bible says part of the gospel story that we are pulled in, we get Covered. So where we have sinned and where we have broken, the Bible says we are forgiven and God, it's the propitiation because of his blood that pulls us into the perfection of Christ. But not only that, he covers over our sin. He covers over it every time. And the last thing, the making of a of a redeemer. What does it look like to become someone who's on a journey? These are just attributes that we've got to look at and then look at Jesus and then look at ourselves and say, Spirit of God, take me on that journey. He's a man of action. Verse 19, the last verse of chapter 3, it's Naomi says, wait, my daughter. Just wait. There's a plan. He's a good man. He's going to respond. Just wait. And she had faith that something would happen. But the Bible's so honest, it says in the very next chapter, verse one Meanwhile, Boaz. Meanwhile, Boaz. Gentleman looking for a wife. Meanwhile, Boaz. Means, let's get some fire and let's get going. Just a side note. <laughs> you, know, you heard about my mate. I'm out right back from England. I met a guy. My mate, we're talking, he's telling me all about this amazing girl. I said, sounds great. And then I met her and I told him he had three weeks. <laughs> She's now my wife. And um, <laughs> we're still mates as well. That's the best thing. Just be honest. Meanwhile. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but this guy, Boas doesn't mess around. Why? Because he'd already prepared his story. He'd prepared his field. He'd built his life. He was prepared to take people into his heart and his home. If you haven't got capacity and margin in your world, you're going to struggle to step into this role of redeemer in stories. Now, please understand, we don't have to be, it's not just about redeeming someone's whole world like Boaz did for Ruth, but just a word spoken at a right time with a heart of love and capacity is a redeeming word. He was ready for it. He was a man of action. Those are the makings of a redeemer. It's just highlights and reminds. You want to go on that story? You want to be like Jesus? See, you sing the song in the church. We've duped you. Here's the thing. We get you to sing songs. Sometimes if you actually thought about them, you might not sing them. Just telling you. Oh, to be like you, to give all I have just to know you. Whoa. That's why we sing. But there's the price of redemption. To give all I have, just to, there's a price. See, Jesus has paid the price of my salvation. Jesus has always paid the price. It's only ever, Jesus. But he says, you want to step into a redeemer journey? You want to be someone who redeems your kids? I'm talking about at home. Would you be a redeemer at home? When last did you shout, mine, over your home? Not to them. To the enemy who wants to take out your kids. When was the last time he shouted, mine, over your wife? And her identity, and her courage, and her giftings. When last did you shout, mine, over your friends? When the world falling apart, or were you one of those that shrunk back and disappeared? Or when the rubber hit the road, were you the one who got on the phone, got on a plane, went there and said, mine? Boaz said, Mine. And he makes a statement. He, he says, There's a cost. He says, Today, you are the witnesses that I've bought from Naomi all the property. He bought the property. There's a financial cost. But then he says, I also acquire Ruth. See, the one is this bought, this financial transaction. But then he says, I acquire Ruth. She's mine. Gonna love her going to care for her, and he makes a public statement that takes this mobile test foreigner woman with no standing and places her as the husband of a field owner, a wealthy man, a man of standing, and immediately her world changes. The same happens in the gospel. The gospel says there's an impossible situation, just impossible. You think Ruth's situation was bad? Every single one of us were in a far, far, far worse state. The impossible situation. Called no way to the dad, no way to father, no way to heaven. Jesus says, I'll be crushed. Father says, I'll send my son to crush. That's the price. The price, see, just like the days of Elimelech and Boaz, there was a law in place of a kinsman redeemer. There was also a law in place that where there had been sin, there has to be blood. So it's only by the blood of Jesus we cross over the impossible. And Jesus makes it possible. The Ephesians puts it this way, in him, in him, in Jesus, not in our efforts, not in our abilities, not in any single thing we do, not a thousand days in church or a thousand hours singing and serving or whatever you can think of in your world, in him alone, in him, we have redemption through his blood. The transaction takes place, but there's only one currency, blood, perfect blood, sinless blood, blameless blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Yeah. Lavished with all wisdom and understanding. He lavished, not with our wisdom and understanding. He fully knew what he was doing. The, the day Isaiah speaks in 53, that is, he, his father allowed his son to be crushed. He knew what he was doing. It would break his heart. Why? So that you and I could receive the gift yeah. of redemption. And there are these results that we see. I just read the Bible. I'm not a clever preacher, honestly. I, I, and that's why we read the Bible. Every, I want to show you that you too, God wants to show you things in His Word. Don't wait for Sunday to see the next thing He has to show you. Don't wait. How boring. No one waits for series. I oh, know you guys, you're all on these like fancy sites. You're like, I want to see season two, but it's not in South Africa. Oh, you got VPNs, and you got this thing, and you're going via, i got to see season two. And you have the Bible, I'll wait for Sunday. Come on, guys. Oh, now I'm getting excited. The first thing that happens when the results are, the first one, she gets dignity and standing. It's amazing. He stands up before everyone that's important in the town. He says, then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah and who together built up the family of Israel, may you have standing who? Ruth. These are the elders. These are the Manos in the city. And they're saying, may you have standing and may you become famous in Bethlehem and foreigner. A woman from Moabite Moabite origin who has no standing in this land gets redeemed and all of a sudden the shouts of the nation, oh, may you have standing. Then she gets to do something spectacular. See, she carried no life into the situation, into this land. She had no children. She had no husband. She had no love. She just had a grumpy mother-in-law. That's all she had. But by the end of the story, it's an amazing story that says to us, it's, a, it's beautiful. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. Who? Ruth. Ruth gets redeemed. What does she get? She gets life. She receives life that brings fruitfulness so she can release life. Why do we get redeemed? Oh, I'm redeemed. Yeah, Jesus loves me. Woo! Go back to my house and just enjoy. And we shout about how good the series is. But we got to learn to shout how good his love is. we got to learn to tell the world that the only thing I can give away is the story and the testimony that we can testify of the love that we've received. Yeah. And it's glorious. She gets this life and that life, that life becomes something spectacular. That guy lands in the lineage of Jesus. You know what redemption is? Redemption is, it doesn't matter where you start. It matters where you end. It doesn't matter how impossible your situation. It matters who pays the price. This is the gospel, guys. Someone accused me the other day. I said, Mark, you preach the gospel every week. I was astounded. I said, I I promise you this, I'm not going to stop. Because I've been a believer my whole life, and I need the gospel every day. I need to be reminded how good my God is. Because there's a thousand voices shouting otherwise. You know what amazing it says this? Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. When we get redeemed, when we get redemption in our story, when we receive that and we allow God to pour that into our hearts, you know what happens? We start becoming a blessing to others. And that child that comes out of the womb of Ruth ends up in the hands of a barren woman, Naomi. A grumpy, bitter barren woman, Naomi. Says, Yeah. See, there's life God wants to put in your wombs, in your life, in your heart, in your head, so that you can put in the hands of others who are broken, depressed, have no hope. And it doesn't look like a preach. It doesn't look like a million rand. It looks like the life of God inside of you. That's what Ruth is about. Ruth is this incredible story that reminds me... That although I love to be Boaz, and more than often I love to think of myself as Boaz, and maybe you do too, we come to church, I'm going to become more like Boaz. Yes, you are, but you only become more like Boaz when you realize you are Ruth, and I am Ruth, a foreigner to the promises, broken by the distance between the Father and where I'm at, and it's only by the blood of Jesus I cross. It's only by the blood of Jesus. Sometimes we get stuck. We get stuck at the cross. And I love the cross. And I could sing about the cross every day of my life. But I wasn't called to live at the cross. I'm called to live beyond the cross. I'm called to know that I was brought to the cross. And Jesus said, I have come so that you have a way to the Father. To intimacy. To love. To grace. To his abundance. Maybe no one's ever covered over you. Today the Father in heaven shouts mine. Today the Savior and the king of heaven and earth. One scripture. This is a prophecy of Jesus in Isaiah. It says, Isaiah 43, now this is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. When the Lord says something, it's important. He who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. You are mine. Capital letter mine. So I want to help you this morning. Can we stand? My heart today is not just to teach, my heart is to help us receive. Something happened with my boy recently. And um, I could see embarrassment was setting in and is setting in. Then I was reminded, I have a God who shouts mine over that heart. How as a father, with all my limitations, the moments that I get frustrated, how do I show him the Father in heaven who says, there's not a square inch of your life from the day you were born to the end of your days over which Jesus, the Savior of the world, does not shout, mine. There is not a square inch of your life from the day you were born to the day you die and go home to be with Jesus over which the Father does not shout, mine. Not one. One. Not your past, your brokenness, your divorce, your depression, your depravity. Whatever you think is an impossible situation. There's not one over which Jesus does not shout, mine. And what you've got to know is his eyes are always looking. Isaiah reminds us he's looking to and fro. He's looking to pour out his grace. My only job is to receive it. See, we live in a work for it world. That's not the gospel. The gospel says just receive it. Can I pray for us? Will you close your eyes? You think he's never had his eyes on you? You can't see and testify to his generosity in your story. You feel like if you draw close to him, he would expose you rather than cover you. Let me remind you of the cross. As the king of kings completely exposed himself on a cross, made himself vulnerable to be whipped and beaten, wearing a crown of thorns, only for his hands and his feet to be nailed to a piece of wood, his creation. And as he hung there, his blood dripped and every drip of that blood that poured out of his body was for you. It was for you. Mine. 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 Struggling with your thinking because of your past. Mine. Struggling in a world that says you're not good enough because Instagram told you you're not. Mine. Struggling because a husband or a wife left because you weren't good enough for them. It didn't work out. Mine. This is the gospel. This is Jesus. This is his love. Better than Boaz a thousand times. Jesus. If you need Jesus to redeem your story, if you need his touch, his grace, his redemption, I'm not talking about salvation only now. I'm talking about past that you cannot reconcile, that you've blocked away and put in a room or a cupboard that you think no one sees, but you know it's there. So you remind daily, will you allow the love of Jesus to touch your story today?